turns out that the government of Ontario has been planning on rolling out some changes to their school curriculum. These changes cover many subjects, but mainly in the areas of health and physical education. The changes also include how the areas of sexuality are taught. I should say included since this new curriculum has been axed, at least for the time being. What happened? Well, people complained. To give you an example, other than teaching kids in grade one about body parts using all the proper names, eight-year-olds would also learn about homosexuality, grade six students would be learning about masturbation, and 12-year-olds would be learning about oral sex. Now, did I say that people complained? What's more, and let me explain, in Ontario, there's a publicly funded Catholic school system. And that's a whole other conversation, but apparently the Catholic schools were not planning on using this new curriculum, which the ministry had apparently made mandatory. So my question is, who did they consult? How is it that parents only heard last week when the president of the Canadian Christian College sounded the bells? And those complaining were not just Christians or other religious groups. Several ethnic groups complained that the new curriculum offended their traditional values. Now, I don't know if teaching these things is so bad. The question is how these things are being taught. And the truth is that currently there are teachers who have their own agendas, who are teaching things to our kids, even in the Catholic school system. As parents, the only defense is to make sure that we are also teaching at home, that we understand what the church teaches and why, and that we pass that onto our children, not as knowledge, but as values. Don't wait to teach your kids about sex because before you know it, they will learn it from someone else. And let's hope that the new Catholic sex ed curriculum based on the theology of the body will be implemented very soon in Catholic high schools across the province. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello, hope you're having a good Saturday evening. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. I'm Chris Dimitrenko. And in a little bit, we'll have our Salt and Light Radio events producer, Mary Rose Bacani, with suggestions on what you can be doing next week. Now, Chris, tell me, have you had a chance to meet the new bishop of Saskatoon? Yes, Bishop Bolin. He, uh, he came on Perspectives and uh, we did an interview with him a few weeks ago. That was just before the ordination. That's right. So he is the newest bishop of Canada. He's the seventh bishop of Saskatoon. And today we bring an exclusive interview with him. Um, and Chris, there's uh, been quite a, uh, a bit of new things in the news. That's right. We're going to talk about three different ways in which the church has been interacting with uh, with the government and uh, some opposition there between the church and government uh, in three different ways. And also we're going to be talking about a new pontifical council. It's rumored at this point, hmm. but a new pontifical council, so a new structure in the church. So very significant. Excellent. So we look forward to hearing more on those stories. And our featured artist today, our featured artist of the week, is someone who you may know because of his song Malo Malo thanks be to God I'm not going to sing it but if you know which song I mean you, you know which song I mean mm -hmm. Jesse Manibusen will be in Vancouver uh, next Saturday and tonight he is on Salt and Light Radio he has a new album Life You're Living and here now is his song Bread of Heaven 
Was our featured artist of the week, 
Jesse Manibusen with Bread of Heaven from his new album, Life You're Living. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org and our blog can be found at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro Guevara Man and here with me now is Mary Rose for our first events segment. Thank you, Pedro. Now, what most people don't do in their lifetime, Jeff Cavins will make you do in one day. That's right. Scripture teacher Jeff Cavins will make you pick up your Bible this summer. You'll have to read the whole book of Matthew on Saturday, May 8th. Meet the challenge by showing up at St. Patrick Parish in Vancouver on May 8th from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. You just have to fork out $30. And as we know, the Word of God is priceless, so we can all do this. If you already have the Great Adventure chart and bookmark that he uses, knock off $5 of that price. So take the opportunity today to listen to Jeff Cavins talk about how great this day will be. Check out his YouTube video at the Vancouver Archdiocesan website. And if you're not in Vancouver, for free, you can read the Gospel of (laughs) Matthew or anyway um, (laughs) from home. But, well, or if you're from Edmonton or somewhere else, as Frederick would say, But this time, if you're from Edmonton and would rather stay close to home on May 8th, you can go to the Pro-Life Conference taking place the same day. May 8th, Alberta Pro-Life is hosting this conference at King's University College in Edmonton. Speakers include Michael Corrin, host of the nightly Michael Corrin Show and CTS Television, and Larie Pickup, Executive Director of Alberta Pro-Life. Register online at albertaprolife.com or call 1-877-880-5433. And if you're not from Vancouver or Edmonton and would have loved to take part in a pro-life activity, not to worry. March for Life rallies are taking place all across the country and Saskatchewan's is on May 6th. The goal of the Saskatchewan March for Life is to raise awareness of the 1,800 children lost every year to abortions in Saskatchewan. The day starts with Mass, followed by a walk to the Saskatchewan Legislature, where events begin at 11.30. An award-winning singer-songwriter Lorraine Hartsook will provide inspiring music, and you'll be in good company with representatives from organizations like the Saskatchewan Chapter of Silent No More Awareness Campaign and GAP, the Genocide Awareness Project. For more information about the May 6th March for Life in Saskatchewan, please contact the Saskatchewan Pro-Life Association by phone at 1-888-842-7752 or by email at spla at sasktel.net. And three groups have gotten together to keep Catholic lay evangelist Jesse Manibusen very busy. Mm-hmm. The Archdiocese of Winnipeg, the Archdiocese of St. Boniface, and the Archeparchy of Winnipeg. On Friday, May 14th, Jesse will host a session with grade five and six students on a very interesting issue. Does God Twitter? (laughs) So join in the fun at St. Boniface Cathedral in Winnipeg from 9.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. The cost is $4, but you do have to bring your own lunch. And the next day, Saturday, May 15th, Jesse will be the main speaker for the Tri-Diocesan Youth Rally 2010. It's an event for grade seven students this time and is called Out on a Limb, The Roots of Our Faith. This rally is from 10.30 a.m. to 9.00 p.m. at St. Mary's Academy. The cost is $25, which includes lunch and dinner. To find out more about the May 14th and 15th weekend events in Winnipeg, contact Elizabeth Duggan at E-D-U-G-G-A-N 
at archwinnipeg.ca. And to find out more about Jesse Manibusen, go to jessemanibusen.com. That's J-E-S-S-E-M-A-N-I-B-U-S-A-N.com. And if you're really intrigued, just stick around because Jesse is our featured artist of the week. So we will be speaking with him today, shortly. Um, and uh, stick around also because at the end of the show, Mary Rose will be back uh, with some exciting news about what's happening in London, Ontario. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Gath. <coughs> You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org/radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And uh, Chris Dimitrenko is here now with the news. Well, Pedro, I wanted to tell you about three different ways in which uh, the church and the government, uh, different governments, are interacting, you could say maybe even colliding on, uh, <laughs> yes. on their positions. And we're going to start with the federal government in Canada, something that probably our listeners south of the border don't hear much about. And uh, the question is whether our Conservative Party, which is our, our party in governance, are going to fund abortions overseas. And people are talking about this because the federal conservatives decided they want to improve maternal health. In fact, uh, G8 officials uh, from, from the, the major industrialized countries are arriving in Halifax on our east coast for talks about this initiative, which Canada started. Now, some other countries in the G8 will fund abortions in fact, uh, the United States, and Hillary Clinton came to Canada, Canada not that long ago, pressured Canada to do just that as part of maternal health. Uh, others are worrying that, that now this debate, because the Conservatives are reluctant to do this, and people are worrying that this debate could slow progress on this initiative, which is aimed to reduce childbirth and infant death, deaths through vaccinations, better nutrition, clean water, basic medical care, things we can all agree on, except abortions, there's the conflict. Right. Now, the Conservatives have been somewhat unpredictable on these issues. They flip-flopped on funding contraception as, as part of maternal health. They initially said no, and now they're saying yes, even though they're saying no to funding abortions. Yeah. Um, now, the opposition is, is asking some questions uh, about this. Uh, like, will the government cut off aid to poor countries whose governments fund abortions? So this is a question. Another question is, so will Canada start screening reprodu reproductive health organizations that might uh, fund contraceptives, which the Canadian government has said that they might support, to ensure that they don't also include abortion? Mm -hmm. So it means that they would have to create something like the Mexico policy, which, which was in existence in the United States. Yes. Now, last week, uh, the Conservative Party also indicated that they won't stand behind pro-life legislation put forth by one of their backbench MPs. And he, uh, through, uh, he wanted to make it illegal uh, to coerce women into having an abortions. And, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, this bill is still in motion. Um, however, the Conservative government says that they're not going to back this, this, this bill uh, with, with the whole party because they don't want to reopen the abortion debate. Now, another issue that people are talking about in Canada is in Ontario. And it's about the, same s the sex ed curriculum. And a lot of parents were really upset, Pedro, uh, when this news came out about a new sex ed curriculum uh, that that would uh, introduce children to sex ed concepts at much earlier ages, for example, grade one, talking about uh, body parts and and uh, yes, uh, so children would be able to identify genitalia and so on and so forth. Grade three, they would introduce the concept of homosexuality. Grade six, masturbation. Grade seven, oral sex. 
Now, the argument here is that children are learning these concepts on the playground already and that the curriculum would not promote sexual activity. Still, parents were outraged. Uh, they told the government that these ages were too young. And 54 hours, Pedro, after the issue came to light, the Premier of Ontario, Dalton McGuinty, backed down. So he's mm. kind of like the, the governor of, yes. of, uh, of the province, if we're using American terms here. Now, the government still stands behind the proposal, which took two years to prepare. But they've conceded that there was not sufficient consultation with parents, and it must be reconsidered. You're a parent, Peter. They probably didn't ask you about no, it, did No, they? no, not at all. I heard about it last week on the news. Uh, that's right. And, and now the government has not yet indicated when the new curriculum would be ready, but it won't be ready by the fall. Now, there is some fallout for the Catholic schools. Uh, the Institute for Catholic Education, which works with our bishops here in Ontario, says that the schools were the Catholic schools were never going to implement this curriculum anyhow. There was some uh, uh, confusion about what the Catholic schools were going to do about this. Instead, they were going to receive $75,000 to revise their own curriculum and make it in line with Catholic teaching. But now this funding is on hold until Ontario comes up with its revised curriculum for the public schools. So they're going to, to adapt this and make it in line with what the Catholic Church teaches. Right. And one last initiative, and this is something that our, our American listeners might know more about, it's this new immigration law in Arizona. And one of the, uh, the Catholic leaders who's been speaking up about this is Bishop Gerald Kikanis. And uh, he's often been in the news as the Vice President of the uh, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. But he's making headlines in his diocese of Tucson, Arizona, as one of the most vocal opponents of this law on immigration. He says he's even going to ask the American Conference of Bishops to join a lawsuit to challenge the constitutionality of this law. And, and he says that this law sends the wrong message about how our state regards the importance of civil rights. And here's what his problems are with this, this new uh, law on immigration. He says that it would make it a crime to be in the United States illegally as opposed to just a civil violation. This would compel police to detain anyone suspected of being in the U.S. illegally. And as a result, it discourages people from reporting crimes if they lack legal immigration status because you're not going to go to the police if, you, mm -hmm. if, if they're going to detain you. Also, uh, uh, the bishop says that it makes criminals out of children who were brought to the United States by their parents. And he says that it risks splitting families apart uh, he even worries that, uh, that because of the tension existing now, because of this, this law, um, that it could erupt in, in violence. There could be violence in Arizona. He's joined other bishops from, from that state in saying that the federal level needs to address the issue more comprehensively. Now, the law isn't supposed to be implemented until July, uh, but it could be delayed, and, and that's mm -hmm. certainly what the bishops are hoping for. Well, I guess I'm not moving to Arizona anymore. Um, thank you, Chris. That's the news for now. Chris will, be, will return in about 20 minutes to tell us uh, about rumors about this new Pontifical Council. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Satellite Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. One month ago, on March 25th, Monsignor Donald Boland was ordained as the seventh bishop of Saskatoon. Before his ordination, Bishop Bolin had been assigned to the Pontifical Council for Promoting Christian Unity in Rome, where he worked on relations with the Anglican Communion and with the World Methodist Council. Before his ordination, Salt and Light TV producer Gillian Cantor had the opportunity to speak with Monsignor Bolin. Thank you very much, Monsignor Bolin, for taking the time to be with us, especially as you are no doubt busy in your preparations for your Episcopal ordination and the work thereafter. 
pleasure. I just want to speak to you a bit about that call to become a bishop. Uh, certainly when there is that call to the priesthood, it's more of a, a personal discernment where you're responding to something stirring within you. How is that different than this, the call to become bishop? I suppose the call to a priesthood is, is a, at the once, a, a, on the one hand, a deeply uh, personal and internal uh, movement of the spirit, uh, which one attends to, but it the, is also the voice of the community that speaks. Uh, over my years as a priest, I've been called to many things, and uh, through that process, I think, learned ever more deeply to trust the church and to trust that God speaks uh, through the authoritative structures of the church. And uh, so when the call came from the nunciature, a uh, telephone call, which certainly turned my life upside down uh, and, in a sense, changes everything, um, I can hear God's, God's voice in that, in that call. And, and the fact that uh, the telephone call came on uh, December 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and that uh, three hours after I was on the telephone, I was celebrating Mass and uh, proclaiming the Gospel, where Mary says, let it be done unto me according to thy word. Mm -hmm. um, a very moving part of, of that process and certainly allows me to see God's hand in it. Mm -hmm. When we speak of your priesthood, who have some of your influences been? Well, I come from uh, rural Saskatchewan and from a very close-knit Catholic family, German background, and uh, uh, it was a very, very loving family. And I think that, uh, you know, I can't even think my identity except in relation to, to my parents and my sisters and my, my family. My father died when I was uh, seven years old, uh, cancer, and uh, his death, uh, I think, was a very, very painful thing for all of us. And uh, left me uh, really with, with profound questions and really a search, uh, uh, kind of a quest which uh, was part of my life from, from early on and a key part of my own discernment. My mother uh, and I were very, very close and uh, she passed away four years ago, but I feel their presence uh, mm -hmm. profoundly in, in my life, uh, very close to, to all my sisters. and. Uh, uh, they, they have shaped my life in, again, profound ways. I think. You spent a number of years in Rome uh, working with the Pontifical Council for Promoting Christian Unity, and as well in 2008 you were awarded the Cross of St. Augustine by the Archbishop of Canterbury for your service in relation between the Catholic Church and the Anglican Communion. How will these experiences, and not only these experiences, but those of your priesthood, aid you now in the work of bishop? Let me say firstly, it was a great privilege to, to work uh, for the Holy See and to work for Cardinal Casper in particular, a truly great uh, theologian and great man, wonderful colleagues uh, at the Pontifical Council, all uh, working together to try to carry out the Church's mission in seeking reconciliation with other Christians. That, that office uh, really moves very profoundly with the spirit of the Second Vatican Council and its desire for the Catholic Church to, to seek reconciliation with other churches. Um, it was also a great privilege to work with uh, the Anglican Communion and the World Methodist Council. You mentioned the, uh, the Cross of St. Augustine. It was a profound privilege to work with the Archbishop of Canterbury, Dr. Rowan Williams, uh, a great theologian, a great, a great leader, a great human being. Uh, and I've learned so much from Anglican and Methodist uh, dialogue partners. One of the key uh, parts of my work was to 
uh, take part in dialogue commissions and to help organize those commissions as, as Catholics with Anglicans and then with Methodists sought to address the doctrinal questions which, which separate us. And in that process, you know, you, le you need to learn to be able to articulate your own faith well, at the same time as really attending to different positions and different views. And I think that uh, that work on the dialogue commissions and in attempting to resolve conflicts certainly makes everyone involved in those commissions, uh, gives us hopefully some skills in terms of addressing conflicts or areas of difference. And uh, the fact that the dialogue commissions, especially our dialogue with the Anglican Communion, has spent a great deal of time addressing questions of authority and of the role of the bishop in the church. Uh, so my understanding of bishop uh, is shaped by that, that dialogue. Uh, and I know that the bishop needs to be uh, an instrument of, of unity, both on a horizontal level, maintaining unity within the church, uh, unity with other local churches throughout the world, unity with the Bishop of Rome, but also profoundly to be in unity with the faith of the apostles, to be uh, united to proclaim the same faith and to seek to live that faith as it has been proclaimed and lived through the centuries. Um, now, how much my work has prepared me for that, I'm, I'm not sure, but, uh, but I'm very humbled by the by the challenge it represents. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann, and we're listening to Salt and Light TV producer Gillian Cantor in an exclusive interview with the new Bishop of Saskatoon, Monsignor Donald Bolan. Now your work will be in the Diocese of Saskatoon, which is a very large diocese geographically, and there seems to be a lot happening there. Most visibly, we can see in Saskatoon the building of the new cathedral and diocesan center. And at the same time, there are a lot of rural parishes, and you'll know from your experiences as a priest in the Archdiocese of Regina, that there are many parishes that may share one priest among them. So there is varying needs between those two city and rural parishes. So how does a bishop respond to and meet those needs? Right. First, uh, it's, it's a humbling thing to be uh, serving in the Diocese of Saskatoon, uh, a diocese which has a great reputation for strong leadership, uh, strong, strong lay leadership. Uh, it has one of the two ecumenical centers uh, in Canada, the Prairie Centre for Ecumenism. Uh, I, as a person who grew up in rural Saskatchewan, I'm delighted that the diocese has a, a large number of rural parishes and that part of my Episcopal ministry will be to, to work with and serve those, uh, those churches. I love the prairies profoundly. When I lived in Rome, uh, I miss the prairies uh, very deeply. So uh, at the same time, we'll be living in the beautiful city of Saskatoon and uh, how the rural and urban parts of the ministry will uh, come together, I'm not sure, but I trust in God's spirit to, to lead and guide in, in, uh, in both contexts. Now we are about to witness the liturgy of your Episcopal ordination. And this is a liturgy that's rich in symbolism and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But is there one particular moment that you are most looking forward to? You know, I, uh, I was in Rome teaching for a couple of weeks in January and uh, one evening before going to bed, I, uh, I read through for the first time the, the liturgy and uh, the words of the ritual and of the prayers and uh, of consecration. And, and I, I think I slept about 10 minutes that night after that, partly due to jet lag, but partly the, 
the power and the beauty of the, the, the liturgy. Uh, the, the moment where the, the principal consecrator prays the prayer of ordination, of consecration, lays his hands on the one to be ordained, the other bishops follow suit, and then soon after, uh, in this instance, two, two priest friends uh, of mine from Rome will hold the book of the, book of the Gospels over my head. And uh, that idea of being under the Gospels, of being summoned by, by Christ to carry forth uh, the mission of the apostles, the intimacy of that gesture and its link to the original proclamation of the gospel. Uh, it's a profoundly moving thing to think about. Well, we look forward to being with you there at the ordination. Thank you again for taking the time to be with us. And we pray God's blessings on you as you begin your journey as bishop. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Salt and Light TV producer Jillian Cantor speaking with Bishop Donald Bolin of Saskatoon. Here now is our featured artist, Jesse Manabusen, with his song, Shelter. By faith we're walking outside, straight through the valley of night, into the morning and the rising sun. I will not fear anything, I am a child of the King, broken and blessed beyond the measure of the world. I want to know your plans for me, so I declare your Your love is a promise, 
Jesse Manabusen with Shelter from his new album, Life You're Living. We will be speaking to Jesse coming up, but first, here back with us is Chris. Yes, Pedro, there's a talk about a new pontifical council being formed. It all started with uh, a Vatican, a Vaticanista uh, named Andrea Tornielli in Italy, and he says that, that they will there will soon be a pontifical council for the new evangelization. Hmm and that this will be presided over by the Italian Archbishop Rino Fisichella. And this would be significant because it would be the, f- the, the first new structure, really, in the Vatican created under Benedict XVI. And uh, this Pontifical Council for the New Evangelization would be, would be devoted to reigniting the faith in countries that have already been evangelized in the past, such as Europe or North America, but which we all know uh, continue to, there, there needs to be a new evangelization happening yeah. in these countries. So this is what it would be devoted to. Hmm. Now, it, uh, John Allen, who's another Vatican reporter, uh, he says that this reaffirms uh, Pope Benedict's interest in the re-evangelization of traditionally Christian land. Now, remember that the Pope chose his name after St. Benedict, the founder of European monasticism. And so when he chose that name as Pope, people thought, uh, presumed that that would be his focus. And so this, this shows that this continues to be a focus of his. Now, the idea was first proposed to John Paul II by the founder of Communion and Liberation, um, a movement in the church, uh, which, which with the, the Pope has very close ties to Communion and Liberation. And the idea was reportedly dusted off and represented to Pope Benedict by Cardinal Angelo Sodano, or Scola rather, Cardinal mm-hmm. Angelo Scola, of Venice. And so we wait to see if this is going to happen and to see exactly how this Pontifical Council will try to re-evangelize North America and Europe. Interesting. We see the church structure changing before our very eyes. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Chris. That was our Salt and Light Radio News producer, Chris Dimitrenko. If you'd like to comment on anything you hear on this program, send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Hi, I'm Mary Richard. And I'm Louis Richard. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel. Sirius 159 and XM 117. Some of you will remember the song, Malo Malo, Thanks Be to God. At least I remember it from World Youth Day 2002. It's a song that we chose to include on the World Youth Day 2002 compilation album. A great, fun song to do with any group. Now, if you don't remember the song, you may remember the bright yellow happy face t-shirt. The artist with the t-shirt and behind that song is originally from Guam. I'm sure you don't know a lot of people from Guam, but he's now in Texas and has dedicated the last 30 years to making music that serves and praises God. Jenny, Jesse, Massi- 
Jesse Manabusen joins me now on the phone from his home in Grapevine, Texas. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Jesse. Hey, thanks, Pedro. Good to be with you. Nice to finally be able to have you on the on the show. We need to find an excuse. Um, <laughs> so it's nice that you're uh, traveling to Canada. Um, you call yourself, and I think you've, you, as far as I've known you, as long as I've known you, you've called yourself a Catholic lay evangelist. Yeah. How, how, when you were little, nine-year-old Jesse Manibusen, I, when I grow up, I want to be a Catholic lay evangelist. How, how, do you, how, how does one become that? Um, just by, honestly, every, everyone who's baptized, um, the, the privileges and the rights and the responsibility of a baptized Catholic is to live it and to share it. And, and that in and of itself is evangelization. Um, I don't, uh, but you can do that as a as a truck driver or as a baker, as a doctor, as a nurse. Uh, mine is just uh, really specifically, <laughs> specifically. You know, my faith is in front of me <laughs> every right. second of the day. Um, uh, you know, so I'm. You know, the work of my life uh, is is in front of me every day. So, you know, I think as baptized Catholics, we're all supposed to help stir the the waves of faith. Yeah, the currents uh, of faith. You grew up in a Catholic home. Yeah, my mom and dad—they're—they—they—they uh, they, they, they were from—they're from Guam, and and we were all, you know, raised Catholic and plugged into ministry at a very, very early age. Mm-hmm. What, uh, um, what, what, what sort of music, or what was it like musically in your household growing up? Uh, well, when when my we, when we weren't listening to the music of my parents uh, <laughs> every now and then, which was Engelbert Humperdinck and the <laughs> Lennon Sisters, yeah, uh, and Frank Sinatra. Uh, we were listening to, uh, you know, so we'd be listening to some of the Beatles and, um, you know, just some of the, just the music of the day. But at Mass, which really is in many ways still uh, a huge form of Catholic radio, because it's where we hear a lot of the music right. uh, of our faith, at least liturgically so it is, yeah. where we hear all of our music. Um, so I grew up on Lucy and Death, and... Joe Wise and Sebastian Temple and the Saint Louis, the Saint uh, Louis Jesuits yes. and all those folks, as, uh, as well as um, you know the traditional great hymns of the church. So right. And when did you start writing your own music? I, I started writing uh, music really uh, probably around 1983 when I just started really informally just trying to put some melodies to some of the responsorial psalms. Whenever I found a melody right. that was looked tricky or sounded tricky for the assembly to sing, I, I just thought, I, I think I could come up with something a little bit more simpler that would be a little bit more accessible for the assembly yeah. to sing. That's funny that you say that. I know, I know quite a few uh, musicians that that's how they started. They find it's like these psalms are, are not are not adequate. Let me write something something yeah. better. Um, just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro, and we're speaking with our featured artist of the week, Jesse Manabusen. Jesse, you have uh, um, you've told me that you've you've had maybe up to seven albums, um, but I know that there are four that are published by Oregon Catholic Press, um, Power of Peace. Misa del Mundo, Love Never Fails, and now your new album, Life. Life I love that, that, that title, Life You're Living. Um, yes. Where, tell me a little bit about the new album. Where does the title come from? How is this album different? Well, this album is different in many ways in that I, it was really, in many ways, a community effort because I wrote with uh, Sarah Hart, who is mm-hmm. a prolific Catholic uh, writer and yes. a writer for in the secular industry as well. Her movies are in music and TV, and, and uh, but I... And 
and and she just is a tremendous talent in the church. Matt Marr, Jeff Thomas, Bob Halligan. Um, it was just really a great uh, effort to write a number of songs that was pretty community oriented. Also, I recorded for the first time in Nashville, which is which oh was yeah, a very very powerful experience. My producer is Jeff Thomas. Jeff Thomas Productions, he recorded four of Matt Marr's four first records, uh-huh. uh, as well as many other uh, Catholic contemporary artists. And he, Jeff himself is a music director at his parish in, in uh, Brentwood, yeah. uh, Tennessee. So that, in and of itself, huge difference from all of my other records. Right. No, I'm just, you know what, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I hadn't, I've listened to it, but I didn't have a chance to really, really look at the lyrics and, and, and the, the composers. Um uh, the glory to God that's on it, is yeah. it a re? Is it a rewrite for the new translation? You know, it was. It was never. It, it wasn't. It, it could be considered a, re, a new rewrite for the translation, but just for the record, I, I recorded this song, which is called "Glory to God Most High," which was meant to simply be a praise song based on the Gloria from, uh, obviously, from our prayer, from our ritual prayer. Yes. But folks in folks just said, "Hey, we'll use this as a Gloria," which wasn't the intention. Oh, yeah. And for years, people have been asking me to to rewrite it as a Gloria. Um, and uh, and so honestly, it was. It's still not a rewrite for the germ for the new uh, German. Uh, um, yeah, the new general instruction for Roman yeah. it, it was really written because somebody said, "You know, my pastor wants us to use this, but." We, we, we have to maintain the exact... The sec, exact uh, and so I said, well, this is what I'll do. And so I, she, you know, her name's Ramey Bauer. She's a parishioner. She's a, an accompanist in Gaithersburg at St. Rose in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And she just, so she just, she said, we want to do it, uh, but you have to do this. And I said, great, I'll oh, do it. So I wrote it. Yeah, I, uh, I, it's funny because I was thinking the same thing. It's like, oh, I think the words are different. I think we can do this in mass now. Yeah. Um, so maybe some people in Canada will be doing it now. Um, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Now you're uh, you keep yourself quite busy uh, between uh, I guess when you're not recording you're you're doing a lot of events, traveling retreats. Um, you're going to be in Vancouver next week. Uh, yeah. What can people people who are in the Vancouver area that are going to that youth event what uh, what can they expect? Well, they're going to expect uh, they're going to expect the gathering of the church. Uh, all of my presentations are done using a template from the liturgy. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of my talks um, are, are, are they're framed as there's a gathering part of the talk, there's a part where I'm going to proclaim the word, break open the word, there's a part where I'm going to, there's a, a part of the presentation where I interact with the, uh, the audience so we can share what the word, the word that has been given, right. share, it's almost like a mystagogia, so I'll ask people in the, in the audience, what did you hear, what did you see, what do you feel, what are you experiencing, how can you give word to the experience that you have now, so that's a break in the, that's, that's part of the proclamation of the Lord, but it's also the liturgy of the Eucharist, where we're breaking and sharing the word now, mm-hmm. and then at the end, the, the last part is the sending forth, so what are we going to do with this now, so how are we going to take this back, this experience, and not let it be entertaining, but let it be... Um, empowering and engaging and how can it be evangelization how can it how can we send this forth and let this be something that takes root in our own living so it'll be it'll be the same jesse stuff that i do the spoken word the music the humor the laughter the prayer the silence um 
and uh, but we'll be talking about we'll be focusing on what it might mean to be to make a radical commitment a radical commitment to the consistent ethic of life uh, to have a radical commitment to a fierce but nonviolent yes. defense of the unconditional dignity of life the dignity of all persons and dignity of creation um, the uh, a radical passionate participation in the life of the church nice so um, that so that, that'll be all with music and spoken word and interaction excellent that sounds that sounds great i, I wish I, i was able to go now um people who are not in vancouver they don't they can't no reason to be sad because jesse will actually be leading a retreat at notre dame high school in calgary on may 12th i'm not sure yes. if that's open to the public though um and on the 14th you are in winnipeg for the tri-diocesan youth rally And we actually had our our because we do an events segment, and our events uh, producer Mary Rose Bacani was just talking about these events. So, uh, um, people in the Calgary area or the Winnipeg area, you're you're not left out. Um, you can go. No, and, not at all. And in fact, Pedro, you know, I I was just in um, in Regina in Swift Current in Saskatchewan. Oh yeah, with Jerry Goble and Miles Meyer with the secondary and high school of the. Um, Uh, Saskatchewan schools there in that area, and and because uh, my friend Jerry Goble, uh -huh. uh, who has a program right now called the, uh, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's it's uh, called the uh, International Courtesy, uh, Intentional Courtesy Day, uh, and I, when he found out that I was going to be there for grade nine, uh, two days for grade nine, um, he invited me to just come and visit a couple of those community schools. So. Uh, and then I did a thing for Miles, uh, for Rob Curry, at, for liturgical musicians. So people saw me on my calendar, knew that I was going to be in the area, and they said, hey, let's get a hold of Jesse. Oh, that's great. So, some other schools. So folks can see that. On yeah, so that's great. Okay, good. So so that's, there you go. You people, check out the website, and we'll give you the website in, in about five seconds. Um, and uh, if you think that you have something else for Jesse to do while he's... Uh, either Calgary or Winnipeg, or if you want to bring him to your uh, to your church or your school or your diocese, he just uh, he's just an email away. So, Jesse, that's all the time we have, but thank you so much for uh, for spending a little time with us today sharing about what you do and, and, uh, and your music. You're welcome, Pedro. Thanks for all that you guys do at Salt Light. You're welcome. That was our featured artist of the week, Jesse Manabusen. You can find out more about Jesse and his music, his schedule, It's all on his website, jessemanabusen.com. That's Jesse with two S's, J-E-S-S-E, and Manabusen, M-A-N-I-B-U-S-A-N, jessemanabusen.com. Don't get all flustered if you missed that. All the links to all our guests and our featured artists are found on our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now is Jesse with his song from that new album, Life You're Living. The song is called God the Great I Am.
our featured artist of the week, Jesse Manebusen, with God the Great I Am from his newest album, Life You're Living. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org, and our blog can be read at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now back with us is Mary Rose with some news about what's happening in London, Ontario. So London, Ontario is more than just the home of figure skating champions Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer. It is the home of over half a million Catholics. Last weekend, the Diocese of London celebrated the ordination of its first new priest since 2006. There was also a wedding anniversary mass for more than 200 couples, but the summer's activities are just beginning. Mark Adkinson is the communications director for the Diocese of London. He told me about some special plans the diocese has for the summer. Hello, Mark. Thanks for joining us for Salt and Light Radio. Oh, thank you, Mary Rose. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Now, you have the second annual Bishop's Dinner and a special anniversary to celebrate the summer planned. Tell us about both of these. 
Well, the first event that we've got planned is the second annual Bishop's Dinner for London and surrounding communities. Uh, we did the first one last year. It was a special fundraiser for St. Peter's Institute for Catholic Formation. We're going to be doing the same thing again this year. And what it is, it's a typical dinner fundraiser, but at the end we've got some special entertainment planned. This year we have uh, the group Leahy from the East Coast, so lots of fiddles, lots of dancing, lots of piano, a very high-energy group. And now you also next, have a, an anniversary to celebrate. Right. So our cathedral, St. Peter's Cathedral Basilica, is celebrating its 125th anniversary this year. So this June, there will be uh, special events planned around the weekend of the anniversary. There will be a special exhibit. There will also be a history book published surrounding the whole history of the cathedral, how it came to be, its history, etc. So another, you know, big celebration in the diocese. Now you have a website project going on as well. What's that about? Well, we've had a lot of requests over the years for assistance from our parishes to help create, maintain, change their website. And they want to be able to do this without spending a lot of money, without needing a website programmer, and they don't have a lot of time to do it either. So they asked us to see if there's something that we could create for them that would automate a lot of the process, but allow them to have a current, updated, nice-looking site. So Mm -hmm. we've been developing a tool for the past year or so, and hopefully this summer we'll be able to launch not only a new diocesan website, which will be dol.ca, but also 120 parish websites as well. That's amazing. Now, can you tell us how people can find out more about the the events that you're planning this summer? Oh, they can just visit our website, Uh, even though our new website will be launched later this year. We're using the new domain name, and that is www.dol.ca. Thank you so much, Mark. Oh, you're welcome, Mary Rose. That was Mark Atkinson, Communications Director for the Diocese of London. Thank you very much, Mary Rose. And again, a reminder to all of you, if you'd like us to include any of the events happening in your diocese or in your community, just let us know. Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. My name is Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Mary Rose Bacani. And the Holy Father will be visiting Turin tomorrow, Sunday, May 2nd. And Salt and Light Television will be broadcasting all the events live, beginning with Mass from St. Charles Plaza. Yeah, so that's live, keyword being live, which means that it will air at 4.15 a.m., Eastern, but it will repeat on Monday, May 3rd at 3.30 p.m., also Eastern. The Holy Father will also be meeting with young people, and that will air at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Veneration of the Holy Shroud of Turin will be at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. And the meeting with the sick and disabled will take place at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. If you missed all those events and times, no worries. Just check out our website, saltandlighttv.org, and click on the Apostolic Journeys link. All the information will be there. And on Monday, May 4th, Archbishop Dolan of New York will host a Mass to launch the National Prayer Campaign for Life. Yes, so that Mass will air live from St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City at 4 p.m. Eastern. And since we celebrated Pope Benedict's anniversary last week, we have a new Catholic focus. Yes, and this one is prepared by our Vatican correspondent, Alicia Ambrosio, celebrating five years with Benedict. So that's going to be on Catholic Focus on Wednesday, May 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. 
And if you missed any part of this broadcast or want to listen to any Salt and Light radio programs, go to saltandlighttv.org forward slash radio. All our shows are archived right there and available for podcast. And remember to send us your mail. Please let us know your thoughts on anything that you hear on our program. The email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. Salt and Light Radio is produced and operated by Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation, a charitable organization devoted to spreading the flavor of the gospel and the light of Christ to the world. Please visit saltandlighttv.org or call 1-888-302-7181 to make a donation or to volunteer to spread the word. Every dollar and helping hand and prayer means that we can continue to do this wonderful work of being salt and light in the world. So thank you. And thanks for being with us tonight. I'm Mary Rose Bacani. And I'm Pedro. And this has been Salt and Light Radio.